Blog Talk Radio. your assignments, but I'm back done, Kevin. All right. Welcome to Emerging Ease, where we will focus on unraveling the difficulties in the midst of our journey and move toward forward progress. This program is not meant to replace any form of therapy, and you are encouraged to seek out a mental health professional if necessary. Hello and welcome to Emerging Ease with Keisha. Thank you for tuning in uh, to today's show. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to call 646-929-0130 or send a message to the chat room or you can email emergingease at gmail.com today and throughout the week if you ever have any questions or comments about topics you would like to hear. Um... If you're interested in advertising, please email labachelor 40 at gmail.com. So come on in and let's continue to talk about generational, uh, excuse me, not generational, post-traumatic slave disorder. We started talking about this last week. It's a book by Dr. Joy DeGruy, and it's D-E-G-R-U-Y. The, one of the best books I've read in a long time is Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. That's the name of it. And basically, as we began talking about it last week, it talks about how um, post-traumatic slave syndrome is passed down through generations in the African-American community and how it impacts the family structure. So with the impact of the family structure, we talked about uh, a little bit, a little tidbit about parenting styles as well as how it impacts the interactions between African-Americans. This uh, syndrome actually impacts us on many different levels in many different ways throughout uh, all the interactions that we have as African Americans. Today we're going to talk about it regarding self-esteem. Now we'll go ahead and give you a sneak peek. Next week, next week, we will be uh, having Shakia Brown. She's a therapist in Oklahoma City. She'll be coming on and talking about mother issues. And then we'll discuss, start to break that down, because a lot of things that happen within our community, especially in regards to the way we communicate, can be traced back to parental issues. Now, let me give a disclaimer, and y'all know how I am. Just because uh, something happened in your past, and you're 50 and 70 and 100 years old right now, you can't blame it on your mom and daddy no more, but we're going to talk about how it started, so hopefully you can stop passing along. Uh, So today when we're talking about self-esteem as far as how post-traumatic slave syndrome impacts self-esteem. Um, I'm quoting directly from Dr. DeGruy's book right now. In the, in the section I'm reading from, just in case you go get the book, it's page 107, and it's taking esteem. Esteem has to do with worth and value. Self-esteem is the judgment we make concerning our own value. Now, the reason that is very important is because the way the um, communication has changed and been altered in our community by speaking down about each other, speaking negatively about ourselves, speaking negatively about our children, we have to be mindful how that truly impacts people, how it impacts us and the things that we say, how it limits us in our interactions uh, when we go for those uh, job interviews or requests for promotions, even going to college. You have to be really mindful. No one may have outwardly told you, well, hey, you can't do anything 
or you won't be anybody, but how many people did you see not identifying their value? How many people did you see that were limiting themselves based on an assumption that your value is not uh, what it should be, that you don't have the skills to accomplish the goals that you set for yourself? Um, one thing that was also interesting is she talked about the comparison in this book between African-American children in the community that her and her son were living in, or her and her family, uh, versus a uh, community when she went to visit an African uh, village on a, I want to say it was in South Africa, if I remember off the top of my head. The children, even the people, uh, recognized the value of the children, recognized the value of what it was to greet someone properly, what it is to give someone that positivity throughout their day. So I encourage us to challenge ourselves with that, challenge ourselves with the interactions we have. I mean, we all come across people that we don't like. We all come across people that rub us wrong. But you have to choose what your energy going to be. Do you give them all your energy and turn it into negativity, or do you use your energy to limit that interaction if there's no other choice and make it as cordial as possible? Because not only will you be impacting their value and their worth as you view it and even as they receive from you, but you're impacting your worth and your value. How, how much worth can you have if you're tearing somebody else down? And if you have the urge to or the tendency to be hurtful to others, what are you saying about yourself? All right. So while self-confidence and self-efficacy have to do with our beliefs about how effective and competent we consider ourselves to be self-esteem, though related, uh, refers to our beliefs and our value, our value of our family, friends, community, and world at large. This brings up a thought that um, there were there was a group that I was working with several years ago, and it was a group of women. And the women that were talking in that group were dealing with substance abuse disorders. And in dealing with those substance abuse disorders, I began, we began to talk about self-esteem and self-efficacy and their confidence to move forward and pass and through their addiction. The thing is, many of them were uh, women that had always been limited on their view as far as what, what is successful, what can be successful for women, even women from their community. And so, therefore, they made the choice remember it's a choice to uh, do that which does not support what they really wanted and I encourage people all the time identify your choices against what you actually want if you're making a choice because you feel like well that's all I have and that's the only thing I can do is that what you really want if that's not what you want then why don't you have the ability to move forward because if you limit yourself then why else would someone come along and pat you on your back it's, um, what is that uh, song? By Olita Adams. It says sometimes you have to encourage yourself. You have to be very mindful of the way you speak to yourself in your talk. That's what supports or hinders your self-esteem. The way you view your ability to go get it. You may say, hey, I want to go out and uh, purchase a million-dollar house, but you got $10 in the bank. That doesn't make it impossible. It just means not right now but you can work toward it. And so building yourself up in a way to work against the things that have been passed down to you. 
even if you see that in your family, women are not uh, usually very financially independent. That, why does that have to mean that you don't get to be financially independent? So being mindful about the way you challenge in, uh, yourself. And then also, we're going to talk about the circles that you keep. Look at your circle. Because um, just to be blatant, and anybody who's been listening to me for a while, you know I'm going to just put it out there. If your circle is dusty, you don't think you're going to be dusty? If they limited, you don't think you're going to be limited? And the thing is, don't sit there to try to be the one that uplifts everyone. Everyone should be able to offer something to each other. And in offering something to each other, it doesn't have to be from a place of um, strife or hurt, but encouragement, positivity. Cheer for each other. Practice that. That is one thing that I have noticed um, in my work as well as in my life that many times it's very difficult for African-American people, especially African-American women, because I'm, I'm a woman, I'm experiencing life from a female perspective, uh, it's difficult to come across people where everyone is all in for each other. When you find that group, stick in that group, encourage each other, and then that continues to push you past what you told yourself you could not do. All right, so as we continue to talk about self-esteem, we have to look at, um, per the research from Dr. DeGruy, uh, there's a direct relationship between the degree to which we as human beings participate in productive service to self, others, and overall development of esteem. The groundwork for the development of self-esteem begins at birth. That's why it's so important to look at what our families are pouring into us and what we're pouring into the children that are coming into our families. With the children that are coming into our families, what are we uh, praying over them? What are we speaking over them? What are we showing them as far as their abilities? If they're not successful all the time, how do we encourage them to use the bounce back that they have, the resiliency? Because as African Americans, let's be honest, we're very resilient people. We have bounced back from uh, oppression, we bounced back from uh, segregation. We bounced back from uh, negative interactions, limits. Hey, we hit more than a glass ceiling. We have the bounce back. We have the ability to overcome. And in that bounce back, we have people who have been able to even do more uh, than just bounce back. They created communities and they allowed uh, others to be able to to continue to press forward and improve. So that's why I'm so excited about this book. You know, I, I only tell you all uh, on a limited uh, occasion about uh, certain books, but this is one of the uh, ones that I think is a must-read. It's very encouraging. It's very um, insightful. It, it causes you to challenge yourself with nothing else. And in life, it's always important to find something that's going to challenge you to do better push you forward in, in what you do. Now, with, with the self-esteem portion and thinking about what is it that is impacting self-esteem, sometimes, um, as we talked about before, specifically toward women, though, self-esteem can come from that parent that is or is not there and, and their interaction that is or is not there if they are physically there. We have to look at 
how how do we view that? How do we look at those interactions? How if we didn't have what we wanted from that specific parent, whether it was mother, father, or even if your grandmother raised you, your grandmother or grandfather, and you know aunts, uncles, whoever it was that was your primary caregiver, if you missed something or feel like you missed something, how do you correct that for when you go forward into parenthood and when you go forward into being an inspiration in another young person's life? If you haven't really thought about it, also think about your career choice. Why did you choose your career? What are you getting out of it? Um, as statistics show, people that um, go into certain fields which are considered helping fields, it's usually because they come from a place that has been difficult and they say, well, I want to make sure I help someone not have that type of life or have that type of experience. Or some people, and you have to uh, really kind of tune into self, are trying to atone for the negativity they've experienced. Well, if I put something positive out, then the negativity won't hit someone else, even the person that was hurtful towards them. So we have to kind of challenge life on all levels. And looking at challenging life on all levels and you start to think, why did I choose this? You'll start to then uh, go in reverse in your own life experience, and you'll be able to start picking up the, the small things that you probably didn't realize were so impactful, but start picking those things up and start to unravel those and think about how is that affecting me still. Now, the reason I say still is because unless you are reliving the moment over and over and over, usually it's not re-traumatizing you, but it's done something to your belief system that causes you to hold on to it. The reason we hold on to certain beliefs is because we don't know what to put in its place. We don't know how to let it go. Even something that's hurtful, uh, we don't know what, um, what happens if I let this go. How do I not know something more hurtful will come in and uh, take over? Yes, those words that were said to me were hurtful, and I, I don't know how to resolve those right now. But if I do get those resolved, what do I put in that, in that place? How do, I, how do I move forward and find a way to um, feel fulfilled in a positive way that, that doesn't leave an empty spot? Honestly, the replacement, the replacement is actually a lot easier than what you hold on to. And that's the thing that people really don't think about. If I let go of something that's so hurtful and so heavy to me, the replacement has got to be better than this. And why wouldn't it be? In that replacement, you're you're saying, I choose to put this there. So, therefore, that weight is a lot less than what you were carrying around before. Additionally, in letting those things go and saying, you know, yes, that happened. I cannot change the past. This is what I resolved to do with the emotions that were tied to that, that were holding it in place. Um, you then allow yourself to decide what kind of emotions you want to replace it with. Now, the irony is that some people will let go of something hurtful and find something equally as hurtful, choose to find something equally as hurtful, because they have become accustomed to not feeling anything differently. Now, in that becoming accustomed to not feeling anything differently, the question then goes to why are you so comfortable in hurt? Why is that safer than saying I'm open my, opening myself to trust myself, to opening myself to trust others, opening myself to have 
positive in my life. Some people work so hard to have really negative interactions with others, they don't really look at why are you so focused on maintaining that? What is it giving you? So in looking at those things and when you challenge those things and you come up with, well, it's really not giving me anything. This is what I'm used to. Now it's your choice to say, now, who do I want? As I brought up before, who do I want to happen? Um, before we continue, I want to make sure and mention that uh, you should tune in on this Friday from 5 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time and listen to the featured artist of the week, which this week will be her. Um, also, every Sunday through Friday from 8 p.m. to midnight, listen to Whisper Softly on Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, if you're interested in advertising with the show, make sure you email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Okay. Now, as you, as I was talking about earlier in identifying what you want, when you're looking to find what you want to replace those hurtful thoughts, those hurtful things that you say to yourself, those hurtful beliefs even, start to do something. Do things uh, that will get you out of your comfort zone so you can learn more about yourself. I always encourage the folks that I work with to challenge yourself, challenge how you view uh, where you are. If those things that uh, you've been doing keep getting you where you have been and that's not where you want to stay, then why are you still doing it? That's my question. Why maintain it? Try something else. Now, you don't have to be extreme, but start to find other people in different circles to become friends with. Start to um, get away from toxic family members, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Sometimes just because you're family does not mean you have to maintain that uh, intimate connection with that person. You can, you're going to be family by DNA by itself, but you can choose how you interact and when you interact with that person and control how that interaction is going to impact you by how you regulate your time with that person. When you are going out to find out about yourself, I encourage people always get out in nature. Feel what it feels like to uh, be out and around um, something other than people uh, so you can actually get yourself balanced. Uh, one thing that I did um, when I was trying to get my rebalance, because even as a therapist, we have to realize, you know, we're people and you have to rebalance yourself. I did a, a Reiki session. Those were amazing. Uh, Miss Brown, the lady that will be the guest for next week, she uh, does those. And when I say, when you go, and if you have a real one to do it, oh, you go ugly cry. And that's okay because you're letting stuff out. You're getting rid of extra weight. And it's clearing a path for you to move forward out of whatever it is that's holding you down, holding you back, or slowing you down. In the time that we're in as far as with our society, this is a time to kind of reset. Allow yourself that reset. When you reset, you also get to challenge the way and the limits that you put on yourself. Sometimes our limits are based out of fear. If you have limits that are based out of fear, why are you holding on to that fear? What is it about that fear that's comfortable to you? So much so that you do as much as you can to maintain it. So. When I say read this book and think about it, I encourage you to read this book and think about it. Um, after um, 
Miss uh, Brown comes on talking about mom issues, we're also going to talk about father issues. Um, I do not, uh, by any means necessary, believe in the, um, the the myth. I'll just put it out there like that: that black fathers are not engaged. I do believe that many of them are, to some point, um, limited in their engagement ability, not because of uh, physical space, but because they don't know what to do, and that impacts the children that that they father. Uh, whether it's a sperm donor father or they attempted to be there. That limits that interaction. That limits the understanding of who their dad is to them and for them as people to help them develop. So we will talk about that um, right after, the following week after Ms. Brown comes on. And if at any time something is triggered within you, as always, I encourage you, please go seek professional counseling. Go find a person in your community and reach out to them. If your job offers employee assistance uh, programming or benefits, use those. Because those uh, will be paid at a certain amount of sessions for you by the company, and then you can start to use your own insurance or or pay out of pocket. Um, But use your resources. Find, Find someone you can talk to that you can open up with. Now, as far as also challenging yourself, all the things you told yourself you could not do, that can be another challenge. Start checking those off. Make those your bucket list. And making those things your bucket list, it then begins to challenge that fear that you held on to. And you'll actually realize that fear in and of itself is so much smaller than you gave it credit for. Because fear looks huge. But really, if you look at the fear that you hold on to it, when you look at it head on, it was just a shadow that you were fearful of, a shadow of what, what's going to happen if I don't uh, get to the certain level of success, if I don't maintain where I'm at, if I don't uh, take care of this person, if I don't do whatever it is. With challenging that fear, even in not being successful, you're still doing something. You're still learning about yourself. You're still moving forward because you still took a step to try it. That's a step forward. If it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, now the question is, what did I learn from it? And how can I use that if I ever try this again or in just life period? And identifying what you learn from your interaction uh, with yourself, uh, you do so much. You do so much for yourself. Okay, we have a question. Ramanda, please say I said that right. Uh, said, said, how do you convince your own about generational brain trauma? That is an awesome question. Um, the way you bring that up, because so many times um, older generations or uh, not see it that way as far as the words we use these days, but we have to talk to them where they are. When you identify a traumatic or a difficult interaction that happened in your communication, let's say with your parents or even grandparents growing up, of course, if you go back to uh, Big Mama and say, hey, you know, that was generational uh, slave trauma uh, that you were doing this and that you said this to me, she's probably going to tell you you're crazy and to go sit down somewhere. But if you go and ask her, when you said this, 
why why did you say that to me? Where did that come from in your life? And then start to look at how the generations through your family or those in your community, how those uh, communications trickle down. Then you can bring up, well, this is I've been identified because Dr. DeGruy is the person that penned that phrase, post-traumatic slave syndrome. And you can tell them about, okay, well, this is what, you know, we're looking at. This is what it's called right now. And begin to talk about that. Um, now, as far as with siblings, uh, Ramanda, that's still going to reach back into your family, or if you, especially if you all were raised in the same uh, household together. Sometimes siblings can be raised separately. But even looking at and talking about what interactions cause you to have these certain negative uh, communications with each other. Um, one thing that we are going to talk about uh, probably starting in December especially is going to be about uh, agreements that you have within yourself and how those impact the way you choose to communicate with people. Because I'm going to be honest, communication is never negative and it's never positive. It's always neutral until you decide what spin that you want to put on it. So if you choose a negative spin, then it will have a negative connotation. If you choose a positive spin, then it will have a positive outcome. So you have to be mindful of how you choose the communication um, that you're having. Also, if someone has chosen to interact with you negatively, whether it's siblings, whoever, then bring that up uh, to the forefront and talk about it. Say, hey, you know, this communication we had or are having, it feels negative to me. Is something else going on within you, especially if uh, the uh, if there's a limited understanding of uh, what's going on with with that communication. Um, when you're talking to family, if they read, why don't you all get the book and read it together and talk about how it impacts you? It's, it's uh, really insightful. Uh, my church, we did a book group with this book specifically, and we talked about uh, how it impacted us by reading it and how we've experienced some of the things we talked about in the book. And I think that was so phenomenal because I didn't just have the experience from my view. I got to see how other people were impacted by it, how other people uh, walked through it, how men dealt with it versus how women did, how certain generations did versus other generations. It was very, very insightful. So if you are a family that does read and will do that, that's a conversation starter and a communication builder in and of itself. Um, for building communication and be mindful that when you're challenging this uh, negative that's come through generationally, you have to start from the grassroots. Bring out all the things that were difficult for your family to talk about and allow everyone to have a safe space to talk about it. If uh, someone used to make negative comments for people, bring that out and say, this is how it affected me, and this is really, you know, how it could have been passed down in our family. I saw that Uncle blah, 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 or Aunt whoever said this or did this, and so therefore maybe that's how it started. Now, it's not to blame anyone to say but it's to say we know where, where the root of it is. Let's figure out how to uproot it and plant something else there. Plant something more positive, more, more healthy, 
more appropriate for your family, for your children, and then for the generations to come. At this point, what was the purpose of maintaining what you already don't like? If you don't like it, do something about it. Change it. It's totally 100% in your hands, especially if that's what you want. Change it to a positive. Now, I'm not saying cut, cut your family off, but, hey, put those, put those communications out there so at least they have the opportunity to move forward in a positive way and then, you know, make the choice on how that relationship will develop and take it step by step. All right. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. I will. I do want to bring attention to this month is October. It is um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. With having domestic violence awareness, I want you to be mindful that violence has impact it has on families, how that can too be passed down through generational trauma and post-traumatic stress syndrome. Be mindful of any signs that you see of people disconnecting or isolating due to domestic violence. Last month was Suicide Prevention Month, and this month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So please be on the lookout. All right, I want to thank you very much for tuning in this week. As I said, next week we will have um, Shakia Brown, a therapist from Oklahoma, talk about mother issues. So be ready with your questions and your ears on, and if you want, tune in with your mom so we can help you start the conversation if needed. Um, It's been great talking to you today, and I would like to uh, thank you again for listening to Emerging Needs with Keisha. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Keisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please reach out to the National Crisis Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And I look forward to hearing from you next week on Emerging Ease with Keisha.